Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, July 24th, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am arts and culture writer Alicia Ramirez. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back for the second time. I'm glad I didn't scare you off the first time, Alicia. No, you didn't. Thank you for having me again. So before we get into the show itself, uh, I want to remind everybody about some stuff we have coming up over the weekend here on Broadway Radio. First up, coming on Saturday at some point, my 50th episode of Tell Me More will be dropping first in the Patreon feed and then afterwards in the regular feed. I had a wonderful cross-global intercontinental conversation with the one, the only Tim Minchin earlier this week, who I'd been hinting at in previous episodes. Uh, it was a great conversation about his his TV show, which has already premiered in the UK and in Australia. Um, and it's going to be premiering in August here in North America. It's called Upright. It's fantastic. We talked about that. We talked about the Matilda film. We talked about how Matilda and Groundhog Day changed him as a performer and as a writer. Um, it was a really great conversation. I'm really excited for everybody to hear that. And I'm really excited that it's my 50th episode of Tell Me More. I kicked it off with good friend uh, Alexandra Silber back in July of 20. 2017, I think it must have been. Um, so I'm glad to finally get to uh, episode number 50. Then on Sunday, uh, on This Week on Broadway, the crew will be joined um, by our good friend Jan Simpson, who will be coming by. And the theme for this weekend is going to be talking about theater books. You know, Jan is a theater communication or an arts communications professor. So you know that she is incredibly well read and she is brilliant as always. So excited to hear the recommendations that Jan has. If you want to hear those episodes early, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. And if you are a Patreon member, James will send out information on either Saturday night or Sunday morning, how you can join the broadcast live and you can listen to it as it's being recorded and submit questions as well. All right, with all of that out of the way, Alicia, let's get into the news. First up, we have some quick show and casting news to start off Friday's episode. First up, on Thursday, The Hollywood Reporter shared that Ryan Murphy's film adaptation of the Broadway musical The Prom has returned to filming in Hollywood. According to the article, the film had just two days left on principal shooting when production was forced to shut down back in March due to the health crisis, and now they are planning to finish up everything in four days, which, from what I've heard, will include reshoots for some things that they decided they needed to clean up during the shutdown. Now, not all of the film's stars will be needed for these shooting days, but Netflix has apparently put together a fairly stringent plan for the film's return to the studio, and they are hoping that everything goes well so that they can use this mini-shoot period as a trial run for other productions returning to filming. Now, Lisa, this is a serious and important question that will determine if you will ever be asked back to be on Broadway radio again in the future. All right. What, Tell me more. <laughs> very good. Nice pun there. Um, what are your thoughts on the musical The Prom? I love The Prom. It's a shame that their run was cut short, but... I believe the prom started lots of conversations in the LGBTQ plus community where otherwise there might be silence, especially from older people. But I remember the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade um, and their spectacular number, and that really opened up the channels for communication. And now that there's a film adaptation of the prom, I think it will continue those conversations that it started on Broadway, but also 
give many young people who are not necessarily out the courage to have these conversations and hopefully live a more authentic life. That that was very well said. And you were on the right side of this question. So we will be asking you back in the future. But um, Excellent. It, it need you know, I was hoping for a little bit more excitement and enthusiasm about how it, it, touching it was, how funny it was. You took the analytical academic route. I get it. You're smart. You're smarter than I am. I understand. But I love the prom so much. Like I just I've said this before, so I won't belabor it. But like I either like wept through the whole thing or like cackled hilarious like laughing at the hysterical uh ness of the of the show so i am uh pro all things the prom um and even though you know some of the casting is a little interesting that they've got for the film adaptation i'm still super excited for whenever because i think the original plan was to release it in december i don't know if that's still going to happen um but i'm excited to see it nonetheless whenever that might be yeah me too i remember that the prom cast recording was my go-to cast recording for a couple months and I listened to it on my commute to and from work so it holds a very special place in my heart okay that's a little better I'm, I'm getting a little bit more enthusiasm out of you so I appreciate <laughs> that you're getting a few more points so uh we'll put that in the win column there so uh so. all right next up as first reported on Thursday night by the Daily Mail's Baz Bomba Boy Casting for the upcoming Regents Park Open Air Theater Concert of Jesus Christ Superstar over in the in uh, in uh, the UK was announced. Now I'm not going to run through the names because honestly, none of them are folks that I've ever heard of, and probably you haven't either, unless you're super steeped in British theater. But what I wanted to touch on here is the fact that for the three principals, Jesus, Judas, and Mary Magdalene, they have been double cast. This is probably going to be necessary, especially for Jesus and Judas. I don't know that the the Mary Magdalene role is all that tough of a saying, but it's going to be especially important for Jesus and Judas because they're actually going to be doing nine performances per week from August 14th through September 27th. Now, this is a concert, so I don't know how this gets around UK equity rules, uh, but it's a concert and it will only be 90 minutes. The capacity for uh, Regent's Park Open Air Theater will be dramatically cut down to keep up with social distancing rules. It, it normally seats 1,256 people. It will now only seat 390. Now, Alicia, again, I've said this a lot uh, before you got here, but hearing about all these other countries, getting to get back to at least some semblance of normalcy in terms of theater and live entertainment makes me a bit sad as to how awful we have handled the pandemic here. But I hope that these experiments can prove as like a blueprint that innovative artists here in the U.S. can replicate in the fall or in the winter or in early 2021 before things officially reopen, if they officially reopen. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. All right, finally in this section, director Josie York took to Twitter to squash some rumors on Thursday that the long-awaited West End transfer for Olivier-winning Donmar Warehouse production of City of Angels has been canceled. In a statement released on Twitter, she said, quote, Our production of City of Angels has not been canceled. The story that prompted a flurry of tweets is untrue. Now, I've long said that this is one of those shows that needs... Uh, a Broadway revival, it is long overdue for one, but rights issues have long held it up as to which producers um, from regional productions and international productions hold the Broadway rights. So if getting this one running in London 
might potentially lead to a first-class New York run. I am all for that. Have you ever seen a production of City of Angels, Alicia? I have not. I haven't either, but it's one of those cast albums that I really enjoy. I don't know super well, but everybody who saw it said like it is one of the most perfect new age 90-ish, 90s-ish musicals. There was a great one, I think, in D.C. And then um, I, I talked with James Naughton years ago, who was in the original Broadway cast, and he said they were hoping to do like a 25th anniversary production on Broadway, but they couldn't get the rights because of this Donmar Warehouse production. And I think they've already celebrated the 30th anniversary, so that tells you how long ago it was. But um, I'm excited for at some point somebody get to get to do this in New York. Yes, I, I hope so, too. First of all, we, we have to reopen, but something to look okay, forward to. One step at a time. I know, I know, but I'm just saying <laughs> in the future. But uh, all right. So speaking of some things in the future, some announcements were made on Thursday that I wanted to run through. First up, the Williamstown Theater Festival. Back to uh, talking about them. They announced that Trip Coleman, Joshua Harmon, Michael R. Jackson, Sylvia Curry, Martina Mayock, and Tyne Raffaelli will be their 2020 artists in residence. I don't know if residence is in quotes or not, um, but they're going to be receiving the support of Williamstown Theater Festival. Also yesterday, information about Michael Riedel's follow-up to his New York Times best-selling book, Razzle Dazzle, the Battle for uh, the Battle for Broadway was released. His next book, which will be released in November, is called Singular Sensation, The Triumph of Broadway. And uh, this one will cover the period in Broadway history, a short period, from the debut of Sunset Boulevard in 1994 to the opening of The Lion King in 1997. This book is available for pre-order. At least I loved Razzle Dazzle. I think that later this summer, I'm going to get a chance to chat with Riedel uh, about Singular Sensation. So I'm really looking forward to this. I, I've had, and I've talked about it here on, on today on Broadway for years. I have my issues with Michael Riedel's column in the New York Post. But uh, in terms of a book of entertaining theatrical history, uh, Razzle Dazzle was fantastic. Yes, I really can't wait to read this next book. I remember I bought my copy of Razzle Dazzle at the Drama Bookshop, which I'm also looking forward to. It's reopening hopefully soon. Someday soon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you there. Uh, And actually, the final story in this section I am uh, very excited about. It comes from Peter Marks of the Washington Post, and he's talking about a new organization called the Black Theater Coalition. It was founded by Hadestown cast member T. Oliver Reed and choreographer Warren Adams. I actually saw uh, T go on for Hades the second time I saw the show. But uh, anyway, the organization's goal is to get black men and women into front office positions in the theater. And one of their first partnerships is going to be with the Broadway revival of Company. Once things get back to normal and there's actually something to come back to, they will be welcoming 10 young black men and women, quote, for paid internships in every department of the 80-person production. In addition, the article runs through a lot of information and stats and plans, but it's something that I have been figuratively and sometimes literally screaming about for years. It's not enough just to put some people of color in the ensemble and call that diversity. Real progress in the theater will be made when there are black, indigenous, and people of color on the producing team, on the design team, on the creative team, on the writing team, uh, and then in the in the in the cast as well. Uh, so I'm very excited about what the Black Theater Coalition and other organizations that are focusing on the behind the scenes parts of theater uh, are working on. Alicia, yes. So my I am thrilled that T. Oliver Reed and Warren Adams and the Black Theater Coalition are working with the company. 
to cultivate black excellence behind the scenes and that they get to choose who they want to mentor, not just work with interns placed with them. It is a great start, and I can only hope that these future interns not only hone their craft, but obtain the connections they need for future opportunities yeah, and ultimate survival in the industry. And I expect to see an abundance of opportunities for black people already in the industry because they are directors, producers, marketers, critics, press agents, and stage managers too. So hire them. Uh, yes, here, here. Um, I, yeah, but I think one thing you said is really important is those connections because so often in theater, it's it's an interpersonal business where you hire people or you start working on a project with somebody because you know them, because you trust them, because you like their work. That's not inherently a, a racist thing when you, you assemble a team of friends and they're all white. That is is not not being an inherent, uh, inherently racist decision on your part, but what that is is that is a byproduct of an inherently racist system, where just because you you know those people, so you decide to work with them, but you only know and work with them because they're the ones who've had the opportunities or they've had the economic opportunity to take unpaid internships. Mm -hmm. The opportunity here for company in the Black Theater Coalition to come up with a plan that, that not only are black men and women going to get the opportunity to interact with all of these, you know, incredible theater professionals, but they're also going to get paid for it. Like that's a huge deal. Um, and like yeah. you said, it's just, it provides them opportunities in the future when somebody's saying, you know what I need for this small show. I, I need somebody young in their career, uh, entry level who might be a great, uh, you know, front of house person. Oh yeah. I worked with somebody that, you know, one of those interns from company like that's, this is the type of opportunities. This is how things get started. I think you're absolutely right when it comes to like hiring the professionals that are already there as well, but this is also a way to cultivate a new generation of black and then people of color and other uh, projects as well. Um, theater artists and theater professionals so that it can start to populate and, and, and grow exponentially as we start to move on into the future. Yes, exactly. And something a lot of people don't talk about is um, especially for black and people of color is that a lot of the opportunities that we get in addition to our hard work come from other people of color opening the door totally. for us. Mm -hmm. So that is something that the Black Theater Coalition is doing and props to them for that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge proponent of bringing somebody along with you. If you've gotten a door open for you, pay it forward, bring someone along with you. But all right, let's move on to some of the things I want to mention here real quick before we wrap up the show for the week, Alicia. First of all, I want to do a few reminders for some streaming theater events coming up. Actually, these are all three things that I have tickets to. So I felt like if I'm going to see them, I want other people to see them so we can talk about them in the future. But the first one actually started on Thursday. It is a virtual, isolated production of Jason Robert Brown's Songs for a New World. It is actually coming from uh, the other palace in uh, in the UK. Um, it runs just through Saturday, July 25th, and all of the times are British Standard Time or British Summer Time, I think is what it's called. Um, but they're fairly cheap. It's, it's 12 and a half pounds, so it's sh just shy of 16 bucks. This is the same company that did the isolated... Um, 
uh, the last five years that I talked about a few weeks ago. But this one has some fairly big name stars. Um, Rachel John, Ramin Karamloo, Cedric Neal, and Rachel Tucker will be the four people in the show. I am super excited. I've never seen a production of Songs for a New World, though I've known the cast album, the original cast album for decades now. I'm super excited to see that this weekend. Another one that's coming up is something we talked about a few days ago, the new Old Vic in-camera production of Three Kings starring Andrew Scott. The tickets just officially went on sale um, on Thursday. They were initially only available to subscribers to the Old Vic. I am uh, very much looking forward to this. I got my ticket on Thursday. And then finally, on Sunday night, I will be watching the next concert in the Seth Rudetsky concert series. This one will be with Megan Hilty, who longtime listeners know is one of my favorites. I think she is criminally uh, underrepresented on Broadway. She needs to be a much bigger star. Um, But she is going to be doing the live concert at 8 p.m. The replay will be on Monday at 3 p.m. And then I think it's going to be available on demand as well. But anytime I've seen Megan Hilty in person uh, in concert and her concert was great. And I can only imagine what she does with Seth. Um, Elisa, do you have any streaming theater plans coming up for the weekend or anything? Well, I will be joining you at Songs for a New World and Megan Hilty's concert. So I look forward to chatting with you about that later on. I love it. I'm so excited for both of them. Me too. All right. So let's wrap up this here real quick with some recommendations. The first one is coming to us from the Apple TV Plus animated musical comedy Central Park. Um, As we've talked about before, the show... Uh, Features Josh Josh Gad, Leslie Odom Jr., Kristen Bell, Titus Burgess, David Diggs, Stanley Tucci, Catherine Hahn, and more. In this clip, the great Audra McDonald makes a guest appearance in the show, and she sings a song written by Fiona Apple called New York Doesn't Like Your Face. I have talked about how much I love Fiona Apple's new album that just came out earlier in quarantine, and everyone loves Audra McDonald, so check that out. It's a lot of fun. The next one features Sierra Bagas, Leia Salonga, uh, Julian Ovenden, and Geronimo Rausch. They teamed up for a virtual quarantine performance of On My Own from Les Rob. Um, all of them have some sort of connection to the show in their histories, so that's a lot of fun. And then finally, this is something that's going to take a little more time. This is kind of a different uh, recommendation. Uh, uh, on Thursday, Playbill launched this new project called the Broadway Community Project. In it, they teamed with Situation Interactive and some other industry insiders to literally do like one of those, uh, I don't know if it's not, it's not like a a genealogy map or anything, but it's like a, a big map for you to be able to follow through what it takes to put on a Broadway show from the show itself to the marketing and advertising, to the, uh, to the tech, to the front of house to the costuming. It's super interesting. And what's fun about it is, is as you scroll over all of the different things, you see actual individual people who work those jobs in the industry. Um, have you played around with this at all, Alicia? Not yet. I I saw it on somebody's Instagram stories. So I am diving in as soon as we're done with the show. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's got everything from like literary agents to house carpenters Mm -hmm. to like all of the different unions and how they fit in. Um, I think it's going to be super helpful in the future for people who are starting their careers in the industry to just kind of learn what everybody does. And then they kind of talk about 
the different connections that they have and who they work with. It's a, it, it, I can't imagine putting this all together, but it's a, a super yeah, worthwhile thing to play along It's a huge undertaking. With. And yeah. I think that's why I am dividing it into parts and see how it all comes <laughs> together so that, yeah. that it's easily digestible. For me. Yeah, and it's something that you can kind of go back and forth to as you're like looking at me like, oh, who, who who would be the person to do this? And it's a great resource. And I think something that um, I would hope that actually like once theater schools get back uh, to having classes, that this might be a resource that they can use to kind of educate people about the actual business side of theater. But all right, that is all that we have for today and this week. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Alicia, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at aramirezgar31. There we go. That was much smoother than the last time. It's a little less complicated. Yes, for sure. <laughs> all right, don't forget to join us at patreon.com slash broadwayradio for my interview with Tim Mention in the 50th episode of Tell Me More and Jan Simpson stops by uh, this week on Broadway to talk about her favorite theatrical books. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and we will be back to talk to you on Monday. 